0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The
1: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry.
0: It's easy-to-wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God.
4: Got to be on. I mean, I I feel like that I am a break down the fourth wall, 100% honest kind of a guy. I'm jacked. I'm juiced. I'm fired up. I don't know if there's a way to calm me down tonight. Uh, I don't know if if you want to try to get my – because, like, you guys want to send me like one of those California gummies. That might be good, but by the end of hour one, it might turn into like the Joe Rogan experience. Bottom line is, the boss man Scott Shapiro called, and he said, well, we we, we text. We're, We're modern. We're youths. And he said, Listen, Jason Smith is out on Friday, Chris Plank. I know you're busy, but could you potentially fill in with Steve DeSager, Iowa Sam, and Lita Lap? And I said, Are you kidding me? book it. I don't care how. I don't care where. I don't care when. Let's go. <laughs> oh, you sounded like Arnie Spanier there just at the end. I know,
6: Jimmy. Your you. Sunday What's night up? co-host. Hello, What's Chris up, Blake. Steve? I thought I was going to have to come on like Arnie and back you up and say,
4: let's go. 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 Now, the only <laughs> thing that you could do is if you drop the old uh, be safe out there. Be safe out there. And that's what. If you guys want a, a true breaking down of the fourth wall, wow! Every single time before the show starts on Sunday night, and I thought, I'm pretty sure this carries over to Saturday. Now, I was Sam. Do, do you work with Arnie and Aaron on Saturday night, or is that uh, no, is that Ryan? That's okay. actually uh, Don. Don Brown. Don. Um, okay. He's actually out this weekend. It'll be uh, oh. Alex T-shirt. But um, ah, okay. I have gotten a chance to work with Arnie a few times. It's okay. always, a, always a pleasure. So it's a pretty constant thing, right? Be safe out there. Let's be safe out there. Yeah, he may say it slightly different, but for our airwaves, I'll just say yes, that's correct. (laughs) So anyway, when I got that call and I knew I was going to get to hang out with, what, uh, three-fifths of our Sunday night crew, I said, let's do it. And anytime you can slide in Iowa, Sam, which, by the way, Iowa, Sam, fresh off a trip to Ames, Iowa a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? So we can share stories. Yeah. Okay. All right. A, little little so a really, softball uh, trip or yeah, something okay that is yeah. a, that's a really long road trip <laughs> that's one of those that about halfway through it you realize could have flown here could have made it much could've easier done it yeah <laughs> It could have made i much easier. But, no, we've got so much cool stuff to talk about tonight. And, you know, Mike's been out. So uh, Jason decided to take that three-day weekend. Don't blame him. So we get a chance to break it down tonight. And, I mean, it's funny because Justin Frostberg and I were sharing notes. And, of course, he's the man, the myth, the legend behind this show. And we just started going through all the different things that we could hit on today. I mean, Steve, the Dodgers got their World Series rings. I don't think the Uh, phrase
6: hit on is probably the proper one since we're going to be talking about Deshaun Watson. This hour,
4: boy, that is a very fair point too. Um, <laughs> Just thought I'd bring that up. Several topics that we can—I don't even know if—if uh, if dive into would be a good way to look at it either. Um, broach? How about this? Uh, bro- bro- broach. Let's go with that. We got many topics we can broach, including the Dodgers getting their World, World Series rings today, and thinking back to, you know, this—this this being able to—to to be a celebration that happens in front of fans. You know, and when in celebrated in Los Angeles at Chavez Ravine when we didn't get a postseason game. At least uh, in the championship series or the World Series in, in Chavez Ravine. So we'll and get no that. parade
6: in L.A., of course, but they had, I think it was 15,000 there. And yep. so on the same yep. day of the Giants home opener where Brian Stowe, the injured fan from outside Dodger Stadium a decade ago, he underhanded through their first pitch in the Bay Area today. You had the Dodgers getting their World Series rings and celebrating, as you say, with fans before That's today. Right. It was sensational.
4: Uh, hold on, I just hit the wrong button. There we go. Sorry, I, I was trying to play with my equipment, and I real that there's another out of context, and I realized I'd hit the wrong button. See, I was, Sam's very worried because I have a new piece of equipment that I'm using. It's very fancy, and I haven't quite figured it all out yet. So I'm willing to well, bet that's at some dangerous. point, yeah. At some point, Steve, I will probably disconnect us. I'm just giving you a heads up right now, but we'll get into all the celebration in Los Angeles. DeSager mentioned it coming up at the bottom of this hour. Uh, when I get a chance to do a show during the week, I have certain certain dudes that I. I count on certain people that, that mean a lot to me that can help educate us because I always think to myself, when I'm listening during the week, what do I want? What do what I want to get from Fox Sports Radio? I want to be entertained, uh, I want to be educated, and I want to maybe hear or learn something that I didn't already know. So at the bottom of this hour, we'll try to educate ourselves up on what exactly was Rusty Harden's goal today whenever Dan Lust joins us because I know Sager you've been digging into this over the last uh, whatever I mean now that we're about five six seven hours since yeah. Rusty Harden has had this press conference today I'm still sitting here some seven to, to eight hours later trying to figure out exactly what was the goal I mean, I just I, – I don't know. And Rusty Hard's a, a brilliant man. He's made a lot more money than I'll ever make in my life. He's tried a lot more cases than I'll ever have an opportunity to try. And but again, when people I'm,
6: already have a recent bad opinion of the Texans quarterback and then yeah. Deshaun Watson's own lawyer says there were some consensual encounters referring to some of the women who have filed yeah. lawsuits. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah.
4: I just I, – I listened to that and I thought – what are we doing? So I count to my I count on my man Dan Lust to join us. He's coming up at the bottom of this hour at sports law lust on Twitter. Yes, I know he was on with Gottlieb earlier today, but I can't get enough of this guy. So Dan Lust is coming up and, and then in hour number two. I think Desager knows this from the time that we spend together, not just on the weekends, but, you know, for many years at Fox Sports Radio. I love the draft. I love the draft process. I love everything about offseason team building in the NFL.
6: Oh, NFL. I thought you were talking maybe the baseball draft or people's fantasy drafts.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, if anybody's
6: heard Chris Plank, I mean, even for maybe five, six minutes, they aware that you are massively, probably in an unhealthy manner into the NFL draft.
4: Okay, so can I tell you, and by the way, so that's my tease to say John Middlecoff is joining us coming up uh, at about, what, 10.15, ideal in central time, I'm sorry, so 11.15 Eastern, uh, John Middlecoff will join us, 8.15 Pacific, he's in the Bay Area, three not podcast, I So this is how bad I am, Steve, with the draft. Well, it's less than
6: three weeks. It's worth talking about. Go to it.
4: Well, uh, you don't want to say that. Because on my way here, not only did I listen to John Middlecoff's podcast, I listened to Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You, another one of our Fox Sports family members who apparently, what was it, Frostburg? It's too late. It was too late for you, Schwartz? You're on the East Coast. This isn't that late of a show, man. Come on. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, but he he wow. couldn't come on tonight because it was too late. But so I listened to his podcast. We got a we got a lot to get to on the draft side. So anyway, how bad is it, DeSager? I've got two mock seven round drafts that I went through that got me mad. Now huh? that that uh, exactly that shows you a level of probably insanity. You thought there when- should
6: have been a different Mister Irrelevant on some of the seventh round final picks.
4: I, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the, the work that goes into – I mean, it's hard enough to just do like a first-round mock draft, right? That, that's hard enough. When you're doing seven rounds – I mean, I've, I'm not good at math, but you know, just – and there's compensatory picks that yeah. are in there. So seven times 32 just at its core is what, like 220-something? So you're trying to figure out almost 250, 260 picks. I, why am I even giving this my time? Why am I even doing that, Steve? (laughs) So that was my preparation for draft talk tonight, listening to our buddy Jeff Schwartz, listening to John Middlecoff, and then, of course, reading a uh, seven-round mock draft that just absolutely positively had me triggered. So I got that going for us. Can uh, we say
6: going into the draft, and again, it's less than three weeks until round number one, And we're going to talk heavy draft uh, just over an hour from now. Is it safe to say maybe quarterbacks each of the first three picks and then we have no idea about the Atlanta Falcons at number four? Is that safe?
4: I think the best way to put it is the draft really starts at four. The question is, what's the... Well, we know Trevor Lawrence is one. Is it Wilson two? Yeah, tre- Trevor Wilson's one to Jacksonville. Is it Zach Wilson two to the Jets? Is it then a slam dunk that now it's McCorkle Jones or Trey Lance? <laughs> People See, who
6: watched we, Alabama last year are saying, who is McCorkle Jones, please?
4: his name, folks. That's how we address him now. He is McCorkle from here on out. Quarterback. But, But the thing is... We don't know the order, but we know the position. So I would agree with you on that, Steve. So we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to uh, boy. Why, did, why am I just sitting here forgetting John Middlecoff's name coming up in a couple of uh, hours from now? And then, see, it's a Friday tradition here on Fox Sports Radio on the Jason Smith Show uh, with Mike Harmon, his best friend, is that they talk to Todd Furman. And Mm -hmm. in the middle of their conversation with Todd Furman, Jason kind of Arnie-esque will have some sort of wild draft scenario – or excuse me, wild – listen, I have drafts on my mind. Wild Vegas – bad or some sort of prop that he wants to throw out there. I don't have anything of that nature, but we do have Todd Furman. And I guess maybe we could talk some masters gambling. There's odds out already for next season in college football and pro football. And oh yeah, by the way, the NBA season's full blow, so we got a busy guest list today. Great job, Justin. Great job, Lee, and hooking us up. We'll get to all that coming up tonight. But Steve, as we kick things off, you would think we would want to start with the Masters, and uh, you know, Tiger Woods isn't there, so it's always kind of hard for me. And it's been a great leaderboard, so I don't want to complain about it. But it's not just really capturing my imagination. What I can't, what I can't help. Is is really wanting to shift my attention tonight in the first couple of segments we have? Do we can I use the term controversy in talking about what's going on with Trevor Bauer? Can we use the term potential controversy? Certainly, yes. potential controversy is the best way to put it. So, I, I, let me just dive into this head first. What did you think of Dave Roberts' reaction to? Day to the report from Ken Rosenthal and The Athletic that, ba- that Major League Baseball has confiscated some of the baseballs, and it seems as if the target is Trevor Bauer right now. Though, Steve, there's several other baseball Major League Baseball pitchers that are involved in this, too.
6: Well, and there are plenty of baseballs that get taken just as samples this year, especially that baseball is looking to make sure that baseballs aren't being doctored. They say they're going to start actually enforcing that rule. Trevor Bauer rightfully complains that the report comes out and his gets mentioned because he was, you know, people were suspicious last year. Let's just put that out of the table. and You know, spin rates and such things. And he did win a Cy Young with a ERA of one-something last year before he came to the Dodgers. There are other pitchers involved and other baseballs taken. So my reaction to Dave Roberts, his Dodger manager, saying, hey, I just want to make sure my guy's not getting singled out, that is... Rule number one of any major league manager, I'm going to protect my player. It happens often when guys throw at batters, for example. And whether the pitcher was at fault or not, you tend to hear managers try to protect their players. It's along those lines for me.
4: So I I pulled this audio from Dave Roberts, which was after the Dodgers game today. And he was obviously talking about making sure that if we're going to sit here and point the finger at one Trevor Bauer, we need to make sure that he's not the only guy and we're just not singling him out. Here's what the Dodgers head coach had to say earlier today. Maybe. Um,
5: And balls that were in play to collect samples. And, um, you know, that's kind of what I get from it. I just, uh, you know, hope that our player is not singled out. You know, that's the one thing I want to guard against. Do you
3: feel like he has been
5: singled out? At this point, yeah. And why is that? Just because of the report? I don't know. Just kind of – that's the only name I've heard floated around.
4: Fair point. Fair point, right? I mean, whenever you kind of start digging through the athletic report – it's really multiple suspicious baseballs from Dodgers. Trevor Bauer sent to Major League Baseball for inspection. Now, I, I want to throw – and I cover softball a lot. For those that aren't familiar, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and wax poetically on how you all need to follow college softball more. That's not my goal. But in, in, in softball, and I think in college baseball this year, they've tried to, with COVID concerns, Steve – have players go away, pitchers specifically, go away from going to their mouths, mm-hmm. right? So they've been able to use um, a, a substance. I don't know if it's a pine tar substance or what it is. Well,
6: last year in Major League Baseball, as I recall, there were separate rosin bags right. even on the mound. And they didn't want players to even go to their mouths off the mound. and you know They didn't want players to spit and so forth. So, yeah, in line with that kind of thinking, you're correct in the past.
4: So, anyway, I don't know if this might still be a fallout from this. I'll tell you who's been the loudest people on Twitter, Steve. Houston Astros fans, man. They are loving this right now. It's almost as if, oh, look, now everyone wants to get mad at us and look at these pitchers. But, again, isn't it like a time-honored tradition, pitchers trying to get an edge in Major League Baseball? Sure. What's the old saying? If you're not – If you're not cheating, you're not trying, and it's only cheating if you got
6: caught. Which I disagree with, and I'm happy that Major League Baseball is, in theory, going to start actually enforcing its own rules. And this is not a violation. Nothing's – nothing. you know, there's no suspension coming down for Trevor Bauer right now. So anybody getting happy about this scrutiny, I repeat – Balls are taken out of every game. Major League Baseball has two employees at every ballpark that partly are looking to identify foreign substance violations. People aren't aware of stuff MLB does. I, For example, you mentioned the Houston Astros. I talked to somebody who worked for MLB. This is two or three seasons ago, and they used to have someone stationed in the video room near the clubhouse not allowing any player to walk in there during the game the C-Live video catcher signs and so forth. In fact, the guy that was working for MLB that night in the video room, a player before the game walked past and happened to know this MLB worker and walked in to say hi, and the MLB worker had to immediately say, sorry, but... You're not allowed to be here. You have to leave literally right now. And so this guy, this player that he knew, walks away, and I repeat this was two or three years ago, walks away and says, stinking Astros, and went See? on to the <laughs> dugout. <laughs> Major League Baseball East has got a lot of irons in the fire, things that we don't necessarily know. This comes to light, and it points to one of the things that they've got going. This year, it's kind of informational, it seems. Maybe they'll crack down more later.
4: Well, I'll tell you this much: it's uh, fascinating to think of all the irons, as you mentioned, that baseball has in the fire. Maybe they just need to go ahead and find find that PGA rules enforcer that caught uh, <laughs> what answer touching the grain of sand that again. Then we'll really get some justice here in Major League. Or well, that
6: guy moved a leaf before he struck the ball. You know those. You know, remember how people used to call in with golf violations? That's oh, a whole yeah. other thing.
4: Why don't we have that in baseball? Oh, could you imagine baseball guy? Oh my gosh, it'll be crazy. So anyway, at least we, we got are lot- back
6: to players being able to see some video during the games. J D. Martinez hitting just went in the tank comparatively last year, not looking at video <laughs> in game. And now apparently they've got a system where they can block out the catcher signs and you can still see in at bat. <laughs>
4: Dealing with the dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. Trust me, I'm in the middle of uh, all kinds of weather craziness in the state of Oklahoma. You want to make sure that you're protected. Globally, worldwide, AutoZone is there for you. Their free battery testing can help you know if you need a new battery or not. And if you do happen to need a replacement battery, they can help with that too. They've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99. That's a great deal, and they're the only place you can find proven tough, durable last batteries. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution in America's number one battery destination. Let's not let the frustration over baseball's investigation into doctored baseball's take away from a World Series championship celebration. We'll drive into a our dive into a banner day for Los Angeles next here on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
1: app. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right
0: now, wherever you're listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events.
3: if you dare.
2: Are you bringing us back with Gary Clark Jr.? Oh,
4: I was Sam. This is making my night. Wait, we're only 25 minutes into the show. <laughs> Got to calm down. There's a there's a four hour haul tonight. In for Jason Smith. I'm Chris Plank. Steve DeSager is hanging out. lead Lap producing the show. Uh, we're gonna do a quick little Dodger segment here. Very homeristic of me. Of course, I was Sam running the show. Justin uh, being our remote guide tonight. This is uh, it takes a. It, it takes an army, baby, to put this show on every single night here on Fox Sports Radio, and we're just proud to be a part of it. So, Desager, before we get into trending and before mm-hmm. we uh, dive into Dan Lust after the bottom of the hour, and we have to get a little bit real because we're going to talk about the whole saga involving Deshaun Watson. For me, it was really cool today, and I followed it. I watched it live, then followed it on social media, The Reaction. As somebody who, and, and I'm sorry, I, everyone's like, oh, you got to be objective on the air. Yeah, I, I'm 46 years old, okay? I've watched the Dodgers since I was knee-high, and I lived in St. Louis, and everyone was a Cardinal fan, and I was a Dodger fan, and I'd have to take all their grief whenever they beat the snot out of us in the 85 playoffs and Tom Niedenfuer and, and all that other <laughs> junk. That, I, I guess, what was that, Steve? 87, actually? Any,
6: anyway, no, no, my point right. is. Okay.
4: My point Jack is. Jack
6: Clark, Ozzie Smith
4: colliding with Mike Sosha still one of the scariest moments. I thought Mike Sosha was dead, and he was my favorite player, and I was crying, and my mom had to console me. So that's, that's the depth of my fandom. So to me, you know, this whole objectivity went out the window today when I was watching this moment. And there's, you know, the modern era Mr. Dodger, Clayton Kershaw with his ring, and you see a guy like Mookie Betts, who, thank you, Boston, brings a ring to Los Angeles. And then, Steve, the whole kind of cap on it was – they were able to celebrate in Chavez Ravine. And even though it was limited, Dodger fans were there. I mean, I'm telling you what. There's going to be a ring ceremony for the Lakers, and there's going to be a championship celebration next year in college basketball for the Baylor Bears. And we can go on and on down. But for some reason, whenever you've had the expectations that the Los Angeles Dodgers have had year in and year out, and you've been as close as they've been seemingly over the last decade year in and year out, Pretty special moment today to finally see the ring, to finally see the celebration, and finally see fans there with them. I thought it was great.
6: The Lakers are going to unveil their banner with fans at the end of the regular season about mid-May. Today it was banner, rings, opening day, flyover, the whole deal, Dodger Stadium. And the ring itself, by the way, it's over 200 diamonds each ring. It's just a stunning, big, enormous, obnoxious little thing. It's But to see Clayton Kershaw specifically, who obviously got mm-hmm. one of the biggest hands from the crowd, to see him one of the nicest guys in the sport, one of the best pitchers in the sport, and he'll go down as one of the best lefty pitchers since Sandy Koufax in this sport to see him get a World Series ring. I mean, it almost brought a tear to your eye because this is a first ballot Hall of Famer who so many people had said had done pretty much everything in the sport, even in winning an MVP as a pitcher, <laughs> except for this. And he was no bystander. He was sensational in the postseason last year. Four and one record and a low E.R. And remember that crazy World Series game they had where they lost to Tampa Bay and it became two games to two with the throw home was wide and the Tampa Bay runner had fallen going around third and was able to score anyway. It was just a crushing way to lose a game. Kershaw was on the mountain the next night and it was the definition of greatness in sports, where you can win even when you don't have your best stuff. And that was the case that night, and they took a three games to two lead. And then the bullpen came through like it never had before in game number six, and Mookie Betts and company won the title. It was a great, great afternoon. And then with the actual game, a one nothing win over Washington, I will say the Nationals Got four players back reinstated today. They're still missing a few players though due to COVID protocols.
4: Yeah, and they gave the Dodgers everything they could handle. But the Dodgers get the win as we roll on on a Friday night with Steve DeSager. I'm Chris Plank. We're filling in for Jason Smith and Mike Harmon here on Fox Sports Radio. And when there's legal issues afoot, I turn to Dan Lust at sports law lust on Twitter. Contract uh, detrimental podcast, easy for me to say. Uh, Dan, first and foremost, appreciate your time again. You're probably tired of me bugging you, and I know you're busy on a Friday night, so we won't keep you long, but what'd you think of Rusty Harden's approach today? What'd you think of the press conference? Did it answer any questions?
5: Uh, I live, eat, and breathe sports law. I will never get tired of talking about this case. (laughs) It's so fascinating. Um, Here's my my overall take first, and uh, you know, I I think, uh, as you, you know, I, I think that this case is a little bit of a circus, and I think that's because of Tony Busby uh, that's over on the victim's side. Now, I, I kind of like that Rusty Harden was kind of laying back and letting Busby, uh, and I'll say this, kind of uh, putting his foot in his mouth. Um, but we'll say uh, Rusty Harden kind of pulled the Tony Busby today. A lot of things that I wouldn't have recommended that he said, and, uh, you know, he's kind of trying to play Tony Busby's game, and that's not supposed to be Rusty Harden, so... Yeah, I don't know. I was a little surprised by this whole shenanigans today. It really was a kind of a surprise,
6: I mean, I think to a lot of people. Dan, this is Steve. The comment from the lawyer had been that, you know, any allegation that Deshaun Watson forced a woman to commit an act is completely false. Does this mean we're actually headed to some sort of trial later on? Because if there's a settlement, we've already talked about court of public opinion earlier in the show. Settlements tend to sway court of public opinion, don't they?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the truth is this, there are very few cases that go to a trial. I mean, it, you know, obviously, if you guys watch Law & Order, every case goes to trial, but that's not really <laughs> the case. Like, right? Like, point, 0.1% of cases will go to trial, and, and that's going to require where someone just it doesn't make sense for them to settle, right? And so Watson kind of has that. He, if he settled any of these cases, it's going to look really bad, and it's kind of an all-or-nothing deal. He's going to settle all of them or none of them. But here's the other part of it, right? Like, Watson has enough money to take the case to trial, so that's that's big. But I think the elephant in the room, if you believe Tony Busby, it's not about money for his clients. So if it's not about money, like, why are they settling these cases? Why are they letting Deshaun Watson off the hook? It's really about me- making an example out of him. They'd want this to go to trial. They'd love this spectacle. And maybe that now it all makes sense as to why they hired Tony Busby, the guy that's making a spectacle of this whole thing.
4: You know, I I heard you with Doug earlier today, and it was interesting whenever the question was brought up about, hey, why don't you just settle the 22 civil cases? But what Tony Busby has tried to almost go out of his way, right, Dan, and say this isn't about money?
5: He's been very clear that it's not about money because everyone kept saying, hey, this is a money grab, and you're bringing it up, you know, in March of 2021 when it stands to hurt Watson the most, and some of these allegations are from March of 2020. So Busby does this this little version, and, and Chris, you know, I call them Busbyisms. When he just <laughs> says something, I don't even know if he means it, but he can't walk it back. And in the, in the world that we live in of social media, everything's being recorded, and he's getting caught in these little white lies. So he said the case is not about money, and then in the next, you know, on the left side of his mouth he's saying that, and then the right side of his mouth he's saying, oh well, I also might bring in the Texans, you know, this billion-dollar pocket for purposes of the lawsuit. So. You never really know what to believe with Busby, but if he goes ahead and accepts a settlement, it's it's going to look again like really hypocritical. And it, it, again, I don't. Doesn't make his 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 clients look better if you have your attorney saying it's not about money, and all of a sudden you you take the money. And now, guys, I think this is the news of the day when all of these women are now going to have to go public with their names. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I know. I, I think it's definitely weighing weighing on the case. These these little Busby. Uh, Again, is I'll trademark that once we're off the podcast.
6: <laughs> this gets to my <laughs> next question, actually, is how do you explain to an outsider, me, for example, that a couple judges rule that some of these plaintiffs suing Deshaun Watson have to identify themselves? Haven't we always heard in the past that that's like a second strike against someone who may not have been asking for the violation in the first place and then gets drugged through the mug because now they have to go public? How do we rectify this, these judges' rulings on not all the people that are filing suit. What's on
5: so i i guess my my understanding is that the rest of these so there's 22 civil lawsuits total 12 or 13 have actually uh they've ruled that they have to disclose their identity so i think the other you know the other nine uh are going to come and they're going to have the same ruling there's something any lawyers are listening there's something called stare decisis which is a very fancy way of saying if the court decides one way in a similar case they're going to have to decide that way again so unless there's some extenuating circumstances that come up all 22 are going to get the same type of treatment now, if everyone's sitting there and they're wondering, why is its is it, doesn't it seem strange that these people that are, uh, you know, accusers and they're, you know, alleged victims of sexual assault, why they have to go public? I practice law in New York, and my, my, my firm also has an office in California. It's not that typical, uh, if, if anything, right, in the way that I've tried cases. I've defended sexual assault cases, They're not pretty, I've done them before. And what generally happens in, in most states is that the person can stay private uh, in terms of, you know, someone looks up the court docket, they're not going to see whose name it is. It's going to say anonymous, but the person who they're suing is going to be able to know who they are. And there's some confidentiality order, there's a stealing order, but the person who's getting sued has a right to figure out who's suing them, but nobody else needs to know that. Texas is kind of, I guess, has the opposite rule that says that the public has a right to know anytime there's a sexual assault lawsuit who is suing and who is getting sued which I think is the worst of both worlds. Like, I don't, I don't know necessarily why this needs to be public knowledge, but if anything, I don't, I don't necessarily need to know who the accusers are. Um, so, I don't know, it's, it's kind of strange. It's definitely uh, what we call the minority rule. It's a rule that most states don't follow, but here we are. I mean, that, that's the jurisdiction we
4: fell in. Hey, a couple more quick ones, Dan. We'll let you get out of here. Dan Lust is our guest at Sports Law Lust on Twitter, and you need to find out about his podcast as well, too. Conduct detrimental, which we'll uh, talk about before we get out of here, too. But first, so what's next? What's the next step here in this whole process, Dan?
5: I mean, the, the truth is, like we, we're kind of playing the waiting game for the police, the police to step in here, um, and the police and the DA's office to really announce whether or not they're going to bring criminal charges. Um, I, I've told you this, Chris, I think there's enough right now to put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt list. I really do think that that's called paid leave. Um, you know, it's it's a world where he's just not on the field, but he's getting money. Now, the next question, and the bigger one, is will Deshaun Watson actually get an NFL suspension where he's taken off the field and not paid? Because that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's about money. Um, right. So where do we go from here, right? The first step was the sponsors leaving, and that sends a very big message to the NFL. What are they going to do? And they're going to wait to see if criminal charges are brought. And I've, I've been very vocal about this. If criminal charges are brought by the DA's office, that means they're very confident that they can get a conviction beyond a reasonable doubt. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt is very hard. And if that comes down, the NFL is going to say, hey, we have a much lower standard in our, you know, our personal conduct policy. We're going, to, we're going to probably suspend the guy. And I, and I think, you know, this for everyone that's following this, Nike's got to defend the swoosh, right? That's why they've dropped Watson. Uh, And the NFL, as we know, they defend the Shield. So it would be very odd if Nike suspends him, but the NFL does not.
6: Last question from me. Do you have, as a sports lawyer, an opinion on the long-term future? Because I know when this started to, quote, get serious, the Watson case, some people are thinking, oh, I remember Michael Vick, and it seemed like – You know, he was never going to play in the NFL again. Truth is, he was off for a couple of years and wound up spending many more years in the NFL, including as a starter in the NFL. What do you see, even if he's suspended, say, for this season, Deshaun Watson?
5: So, two things. Allegations are allegations. And then there's, you know, then there's what happens after the investigation is over. So, Michael Vick obviously was found guilty. And then there's a guy, on the other hand, that maybe we don't talk about as much. But, you know, Ben Roethlisberger once upon a time had some very messy allegations, and Came back and we don't talk about them anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's not, it's a sad truth, but talent wins out. If you are that talented, you will find a place in the NFL. Now these are a little bit messier. I mean, they're they're probably closer to Roethlisberger than they are Mike Vick. But Mike Vick, uh, you know, those are some pretty messy PR claims. And he came back and he played, you know, five six years in the NFL after that. So. I, I think there's a world where Deshaun Watson gets suspended for this, for this upcoming season. I do believe that. But do I think that Watson has done in the NFL? No, no chance. With a guy that's 25 years old, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, you hate to say it, but talent in the NFL wins out. And, uh, you know, as, as messy as this is, uh, you'd hope the guy's playing career is not over. But, yeah, I don't think we can say that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, guys, still – the, the the burden is going to be on the plaintiffs to prove their case, and we really haven't even touched a courtroom. These are all allegations. So, you know, he asked me, worst case scenario, that's that's probably it, but, you know, we're still a ways away.
4: Incredible stuff. Always love talking to you, Daniel. Have a great evening. Everyone go follow Dan on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. Check out his uh, podcast, Conduct Detrimental. It's incredibly informative and educational, and we look forward to catching up with you again soon, man. Appreciate you coming on again.
6: Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.
4: Love that, dude. Love that, dude. Hey, one Uh, thing,
6: Chris Plank, before the break.
4: Do we have to talk about this, or do you want to risk uh, jinxing this, or what? No, no, no.
6: Let me say first and foremost, because there's always somebody that brings this up. Vince Scully was not only the greatest baseball announcer in history, (laughs) but probably called more no-hitters in history. And he (laughs) always, I mean always, pointed out if a no-hitter was in progress. Correct. There is no such thing as the jinx. There is, however, if you're a teammate, actually saying it to the pitcher himself who's going to (laughs) retake the mound, absolutely it's a real thing. I, on the other hand, sitting in the studio, have no such power. So to update you on the no-hit bid, the Padres (laughs) acquired a pitcher this year who is a San Diego native. Joe Musgrove had been with the Pirates. He's starting for the Padres at Texas tonight. San Diego's up 3-0. Musgrove now through eight innings, has a no-hitter with ten strikeouts and no walks. He got a ground out, ground out, and line out in the bottom of the eight. So the game's in the top of the ninth, 3 nothing. He has hit one batter, so it's not a perfect game bid. He's thrown 103 pitches through eight.
4: Mm, so we will keep tabs on a potential no-no in Major League Baseball as we roll on in for Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. He's Steve DeSager. I'm Chris Plank. I was Sam Lee, Justin. The whole crew is here on a Friday night on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm John Middlekoff and I host the Three and Out Podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks, coaches. Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecom, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No,
5: Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
2: Work.
4: It's the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. 86, the Jason Smith. Mike's out tonight, too. So, with Steve DeSager, I'm Chris Plank getting to hang out with you. Nice, fun night here on Fox Sports Radio. And, I I, I mean, DeSager, are we going to get to witness history? Are we going to get to witness something it, that's never
6: happened? That's right. Can you guess the one franchise in baseball that's never thrown a no-hitter? That would be the San Diego Padres, who've existed for fifty years and not thrown a single no hitter. The Dodgers have thrown apparently twenty-six in their long history. There is a San Diego native, no less, that has started the bottom of the ninth inning at Texas right now, and he's throwing a no hitter. So, so Joe cool. Musgrove, ex of the Pirates, is up three nothing. So, bottom of the ninth. Line drive to second is the first out. We have one out in the ninth.
4: I am I'm 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 juiced right now. I actually have a friend of mine that's in the stands tonight. Are you kidding? He is is a diehard Padres fan that lives somehow in Oklahoma. I guess maybe people say the same thing about me. It's like, wait a minute, dude, you're a diehard uh, Dodgers fan and you live in Oklahoma. How does that happen? But he is a diehard Padres fan. Yes, they exist. And he lives in Oklahoma. And he's down there tonight for the game and finally got my feet up. Man, that took a while. All right, so we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. A no-no potentially I thought Jake Cronworth just had a, or Cron- Cronworth just had a base hit that's absolutely unbelievable the play that was made by the second baseman so Cronenworth
6: and, playing second tonight and now it's the number nine hitter for Texas up by the way with one out bottom of the ninth
4: so uh Justin was sharing this note San Diego's 8206 regular season games are are the last active franchise without a no-hitter.
6: And, of course, the previous team that was on that list of, my goodness, they've never thrown the no-hitter, was Jason Smith's Mets, who finally got one. I mean, teams like Colorado and Tampa Bay more recent, yeah, they have just one in their histories. But the Padres literally zero in in 50 years now, 50 years plus of existence.
4: I will say I do appreciate that the uh, – I guess this is what, on Valley Sports San Diego – that they are not by in any way shying away from the fact that he has the no-no. Now, if I'm actually looking, I don't know which feed I have. That is
6: because that's the Fox Sports influence Ah, when they owned all those uh – regional networks they used to do that on the graphic and i bet part of that was because the angels announcer ex-angels announcer victor rojas used to actually refuse to do his own job and tell people (laughs) that there was a no hitter in progress ground ball to the pitcher that's two outs he tags the batter two away in the bottom of the ninth
4: (gasps) i cannot believe this i of of all the things and again this it's no knock it's no knock knock on texas or on san diego but of all the things I didn't think we'd be talking about is Joe Musgrave taking a no-hitter into the ninth with two outs against the Rangers, and yet here we are. <laughs> There's a
6: lot of Padre fans And, and I tonight, repeat, Texas. he is a San Diego native from Grossmont High School, a team I played against when I was playing high school baseball. So he's Humble just rag. acquired. He's in his second start literally in a Padres uniform. Granted, it's not a home game, but still, it's about, you know, the stuff dreams are made of. Padre fans, there are a couple of guys that in the early 70s came very close to no hitters. One with two outs in the ninth that was broken up. But aside from that, there haven't been a whole long string of, boy, he came really close to pitching. No, no, not even that. So, (laughs) ground ball. That's it! No hitter for the Padres! They're celebrating on the mound. Joe Musgrove with 112 pitches. And it's the first no-hitter in Padres history.
4: (laughs) How about that? All right, Padre fans, you can let Scott Shapiro know that Steve and I probably need to fill in every single night uh, because <laughs> nights in which DeSager and Plank have filled in for Jason and Mike on Fox Sports Radio, not only are the Padres one know, but they've also thrown the first no-hitter in franchise and this was so
6: close to a perfect game he Uh, hit a batter in the bottom of the fourth that was the only base runner
4: how about that we'll talk more about it when we come back on a busy friday night john Middlecoff, talking draft next hour too on fox sports radio
2: i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in mexico work.
0: Zumo Play.